You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. This is episode 43 of the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast with me, Charlotte Greenway. It's Friday the 1st of July. With the Corridor Eclipse taking centre stage at Sandown this weekend, we will look at that race very shortly. But first, a couple of the main news stories this week have involved appeals, one on each side of the Irish Sea. Firstly, Paddy Toomey lodged an appeal on Tuesday following the disqualification of his filly Ross Carberry in the Group 1 Pretty Polly Stakes, in which she finished third and the race was actually won by Toomey's better fancied runner La Petite Coco. The reason for the disqualification was that jockey Wayne Lorden weighed in £5 light, but Toomey revealed after the race that when weighing out, the clerk of the scales told Lorden that he was £5 heavy, so he adjusted his weight handed the saddle over to Toomey who saddled up the horse and then somehow weighed in £5 light. It's unlikely that Ross Carberry can be reinstated to third place having carried the incorrect weight. However, Nick asked Paddy whether he'd consider taking legal action should the appeal fail. Absolutely. Look, it's it's an error on the part of the IHRB. It's the, the, basically the, it's, it's a, it's a, they're not fit for purpose on the day. Um, and... Uh, they sent the man out to racing. They gave me a saddle. They null, they null invited the the horse's chance from the minute I picked the saddle up from the jockey after the clerk of the scales okayed him to go. Philly's race was over. You know, she never really ran after that, you know. So. And as you say, your owner has stumped up €30,000, which is a not inconsiderable amount of money. Just going back to, to actually how this happened... There's all sorts of suggestions as, as to what it might have been. It, it might just be worth you clarifying exactly from your position that that sequence of events, just to leave nobody in any doubt that you could have dropped a weight cloth or you could have, you know, you could have mislaid something or in your hurry you could have got the saddles mixed up or anything like that. That's certainly not the case. As as we descri- as I described extensively there, it's written in the press and I talked to you uh, on Sunday, the sequence of events as I outlaid on the day was what happened. Um whether the clerk of the scales made the error himself or the computer made it is irrelevant. Uh, it's a, an employee of the IHRB has made the mistake. It looks a very archaic system where obviously it's coming up in pounds, uh, stone and pounds on the race card, which is an obsolete uh, system. We should have a metric system. And when he's weighing out the jockey, then it comes up on the screen in pounds only. So there's loads of room for error when a human being is there and it's nine stone 12 and it's 138.1 pounds. I mean, if somebody makes any mistake, they can make it. It should be in kilos where it will come up. The jockey's weight in kilos and the scales would uh, reflect that in kilos. It's uh, We live in 2022. We live in Europe. We have a metric uh, system for weighing things. And I think that the IHRB are, you know, operating in a, in a, a bygone age. The other appeal launched on this side of the Irish Sea was by Ammo Racing following the interference suffered by their horse Crispy Cat in the Norfolk Stakes at Royal Ascot after Paul Hannigan on the Riddler veered markedly left in the closing stages. 
Crispy Cat managed to finish a close, fast finishing third, while another ammo racing runner, Woolbank, finished in second. Woolbank's trainer, Dave Lotnan, expressed that he doesn't hold out much hope of a changing in the placings due to the rules, but hopes that this may spark the need for change. Look, if at nothing else, it makes the BHA stand up and be accounted for and maybe have a look at the rules. If, if, if there's something that comes out of it, you know, something needs to be done and something needs to come out of this. So, um, in my personal opinion, it can only be for the greater good of our sport. Because as things stand, you can get a race if, in the opinion of the stewards, on the balance of probability, horses that were interfered with might have finished in front of the interferer. But... Otherwise, you can't get the race, irrespective of the riding offence, unless the riding offence is classified as dangerous riding. And those are so few and far between. Do you think we've just got to change the threshold for what is considered to be dangerous? Yeah, definitely. Look, if you clip heels with another horse, it's 50-50 whether the, the horse is, one of those horses is going to come down or not. Um how how do you how do you define dangerous and careless? Well, from what I can see on on the replays of that race, Crispy Cat was Sylvester D'Souza was severely checked, and James Doyle probably even more so. If one of those riders ended up on the ground, I think we'd be having a very different conversation right now. Um, and it's just about time our riders' safety and our horses' safety was put first. Um, Paul Hannigan is a brilliant jockey and I've absolutely nothing against him. He's, he's a world-class rider. He's too good of a rider, in my opinion, to have thought he did nothing wrong on that day, but he knew he could do what he did and still hold the race. I think that's what the problem is. Um, as, as Ruby Walsh said on the day and Kevin Blake said on the day, it was a professional foul. Now on to the Coral Eclipse, where we'll see the clash of the three-year-olds and the older horses for the first time at Group 1 level. We've got the mightily impressive French Derby winner Vadaney, who currently heads the market with Irish Guineas winner and Newmarket second native Trail next in. Baybridge is the shortest priced of the older horses and returns to the venue of his most impressive win in the Brigadier Gerard Stakes. He then went on to finish second behind State of Rest in the Prince of Wales' Stakes, where the steady pace didn't really look to suit him. And Nick put a call in to Sir Michael Stout's assistant trainer, James Savage, this morning to get the latest. Yeah, he's going there in great form, Nick. Um, you know, the, the, the Brigadier even even surprised some of us in-house, in, in to be honest with you, the way the way he went through the line. And everyone was so excited by that performance. Um, I think if you look back at Ascot, the winner, the Joseph O'Brien's horse got an exceptional ride, I thought. And it was just circumstances, really. Um that got you know that didn't didn't enable us to see him at best, but we're we're going there tomorrow in top shape, and um, we're we're confident of a of a, a a real good run. I mean, your horse is a big, powerful horse. I'm not saying he lacks pace; he clearly doesn't. He's clearly got plenty of it. But a, a muddling tactical race didn't suit him at Ascot. Are you alive to the possibility of limited pace again, particularly without any presence from Bally Doyle? Yeah, that's a slight concern. Um, but I think everyone will be in the same boat looking at that. You know, I I, I see I see the um, very good William Haggis horse um, is is quite a straightforward ride. I think Mischief has been missed up on the pace when he drops down to ten. They drop he tends to drop in over twelve. But so I I I, I don't see there being a lot of pace. But you know we've got to be open-minded to the fact that we may have to go forward at some point um, 
uh, you know, Ryan will, Ryan will have done his homework and, and uh, everything before the race. But I just hope for a, a smooth race so we can see, you know, these are six exceptional horses. And I, I, I don't want to, I'd, I'd, I'd not like to come out of the race thinking that there was someone luck or, or they sprinted or, you know, and, and it was a messy race. So I'm hoping that there's a, a balanced pace and we can see which which horse is the best because there's some serious performers in this race tomorrow. It's, yeah. it's one of the hottest eclipses I've seen for see the stars this year and conduit and you know then that, that was a serious eclipse and this is this is as hot in my opinion. And you've been waiting during the course of the week to see whether Aiden had had a runner and I did I did suggest on the podcast earlier in the week that Ryan would be riding Bay Bridge. I'm, I must admit I was I was sweating by by Wednesday. I suspect you were as well, weren't you? Yeah, we were and like luckily. We're, we're in a privileged position where we've got such a good, such a good backup in Richard Kingscote. So he was happy to sit there and, and take the ride. And um, and if, if if Ryan became available, great, you know. But um, yeah, we're we're very privileged to have two such great jockeys, very very good jockeys riding for us. And obviously, if Ryan comes available, you're, you're extremely happy with that. And um, Aiden has plans for his other his three. So so it's to, it's to our benefit. A horse that has been there and proven himself all around the world is Mishriff, and he'll be looking to go one better than he did in this race last year. We haven't seen him since February when he ran no race in the Saudi Cup, but jockey David Egan seems happy that the Golston team have him back to his best. I sat up this morning and I rode him uh, twice last week. He um, seems in good form. He's uh, obviously had a nice break since Saudi and his uh, his build-up has been sort of pretty smooth and he's in good form leading up to the race for Saturday, for sure. What did you make of the Saudi run? We went there with great expectations because he'd won the race the previous year. What, what went wrong? Yeah, he didn't... Um, obviously very disappointing. He was beaten a long, long way out. Um, the pace was obviously pretty fierce early doors and probably sat possibly in in hindsight probably handier than maybe we should have been considering there's such a strong pace when when you see the winner coming from out the back in 16 wide like it was but um look he didn't run his race for whatever reason um i know mr gosden said he might have got a clump of dirt um down his airwaves and that's why he stopped so um look for whatever reason he didn't run his race i knew it wasn't him so i stood up on him and, and looked after him look there was prize money down to to 10th place but it, it's all about the future with this horse it's not all about one day he's got a long season ahead and uh hopefully because of that he can bounce back and we know he can he's bounced back many times before and i'm sure he can he can do it again how does he feel to you to ride at the moment? Does, does he feel any different to how he did twelve months ago, twenty four months ago? Does he does he does he seem to be moving well and in good nick? Yeah, he's in great nick. Yeah, you have to think now. He's obviously taken on these young, mature, and three year olds. He's a five year old colt um, at the top at the top level. Um, you don't get many of them around kind of these days. And physically, he's. He's had his physical peak now, I would say. He's thick, he's a um, lovely mover. He's a horse with a very uh, noticeable head carriage, which probably makes him stand out to the rest of the field when he's gone in his races. He's got that low sort of nearly nearly hitting the grass with his nose. So, um, no, he's in great form. Um, and hopefully this run in the Eclipse, which is 
a very, very strong race, as we all know, but it'd be nice to see him back at the top level and see how he fares out with the with the young three-year-olds coming through, along with the sort of the top-class individuals in, you know, Bay Bridge and Real World and Alan Carr and the likes. It'd be nice to see them sort of come up against them again. I mean, John Gosling last year, he made no secret of the fact it was a building block. And really, they, they were trying to get him to peak for the Judmonts International, which which happened and it works. And he ran a fine race in the King George as well. Do you see it very much following the same pattern or do you think he is readier this time to, to, to perform nearer to his best on Saturday? Um, yeah, I felt he, he did, as said after last year's run in the Eclipse, he did get pretty tired up there. He travelled into the race like the winner almost and had St. Mark's Basilica sort of under pressure first and for a few strides myself especially thought it was it was sort of our race to win and just that last furlong and a half up the hill just caught him out um event eventually finishing third obviously but i think this year um he's had a nice preparation into the race he's been working well he seems fit and well so um obviously you'd expect him to take a step forward for that but i'd um he definitely seems as good as we can get him at this stage of the season, for sure. Alan Kerr bagged his first Group 1 last time out in the Tattles Gold Cup, beating State of Rest, and there's been a little bit of money around for him over the last couple of days. Armando Duarte bought the horse and now manages the horse for MM Stables and gave a positive update on the horse's well-being since the Curra. Uh, the horse is doing fantastically. Um, I think uh, Jason, he rides him every day, he did a fantastic job. He's, um, he think he improved and uh, he feel better than before. And um, William is very happy with him. Uh, I saw him on Saturday. He looks fantastic, looks stronger. So we go there with a, with a good chance. His time at Lingfield earlier in the season was very good as well. And this is a conversation that you and I and William Haggis have been having most of the year. Is he really the, the mile and a half horse that we thought he was last year? Or is actually evidence now showing that he's going to be more effective at 10 furlongs? And that's a, gr- a great question. Um, I think you, he's a mile and a half, but he got stronger and he got faster with age. So I think a mile and a quarter, a stiff mile and a quarter, it won't be a problem for him at all. I think he's get better as well. With um, with age, and one thing we've seen this season is how his riders, well, first of all, Kieran Fallon at Lingfield, and then Tom Marquand, have been content just to sit in that that little bit closer to the pace. Do you think that's made a big difference as well? It's very uncomplicated, un- right? You could ride from the back or ride from the front, uh, but if it seems like he likes to be, he jumps very well off the stalls, and then when he's getting a rhythm, he likes to be in front, enjoy himself. Uh, but like I said, if he's no pace, we can go from the back. And if he's uh, a strong pace, we can set off the pace. He's a very complicated horse now. And he's a horse, a buyer, a stallion who's no longer with us, Adler Flug, who's made quite an impact with a, a tiny group of horses. He's had Inswoop, the arc runner-up. He's had Torquato Tasso, the arc winner. He's got this horse who's now a group one winner at, at, at 10 furlongs. Have you got enough in your armoury as things stand now to, to make this horse a, a half-decent stallion? I hope so. I, I, we try to make him a stallion. He can stand somewhere uh, in the UK or France or even Ireland. Uh, I know people say uh, the, the, the pedigree is not strong and they don't know much about the flag. 
Um, but I think by the end of the year, uh, if you win another couple group one winners, um, you can stand somewhere, hopefully. Earlier on the card at Sandown in the 225, Check and Challenge returns after being well beaten in the 2000 Guineas 63 days ago at Newmarket. He was a few people's outside bet for the race that day, but he never really got into it. And so Nick got an update from his trainer, William Knight, on the horse's progress since then. Yeah, well, look, I couldn't be happier with him. He did a lovely bit of work on Saturday and, um, you know, he's ready to run again. He, he just wasn't quite right um, just to ask at time, um, just a combination of things. And I just felt it was the wrong thing to do, especially running on very fast ground. So, um, you know, he's 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 in really good good form. I just want to run him on on the best sort of ground I can find. And uh, obviously, the, the the handicap on Saturday is 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 the option is an option as as is um, the listed race at Newmarket next week, the Henry Cecil Stakes. So I just got to sort of keep an eye on ground conditions, weather forecasts, and. Um, yeah, just go where the best ground I think will be. Have you got it in your mind now that he's a horse that that needs cut in the ground, or is it simply that you want to sort of minimise the chance of, of jarring him up on his comeback run? Yeah, I think that's more. I think you know, I think safe, nice space, safe, safe ground is, is it will be fine. He doesn't have to have soft ground. Just if we can find good ground, that would be perfect. And you know, Andrew always does a very good job at Sandown and. Uh, you know, you're hitting the rising hill there. Just Newmarket, look, training, <laughs> living in Newmarket. I know how dry it's been, and I don't care how much Michael Prosser puts on there. Um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be fast ground there because you know it's just been so dry. I'm looking out out into the yard now. The grass looks yellow. So, um, you know, I think it's just important after coming back from Newmarket where he was sore, but it was probably more the fact he got a knock that day in that race, and you know he was particularly sore um, afterwards. And uh, it's taken a long time to get him back, and I just don't want to muck it up on, on, and run him on ground, which is you know, going to jar him up again. Lest we forget, before the Guineas, he was everybody's new market buzz horse and he'd been working the house down. Have you got him back to that sort of health and fitness? I felt when I saw him work on Saturday, I've got him back. Um, Chris Kavanaugh, who rides him every day, feels the same. Um, so, yeah, fingers crossed. I think we're back where we were before Newcastle. Thank you very much for listening. Enjoy the action from Sandown this weekend. I know I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this year's three-year-olds fare against the battle-hardened older horses, even with their £10 allowance. Nick will be back on Monday morning to bring you the latest news and insight from around the world of horse racing. Goodbye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily. Brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.